Good morning. Whether you're joining us over the live stream or here in person, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Acting Senior Minister, and I welcome each of you here this morning. I especially want to welcome our visitors. If you're with us on the live stream and you have the ability to do so, please say hello in the comments and let us know from where you're joining the service. If you're here in person, please join us in Housen Hall. That's our fellowship hall after the service. We have a few new areas set up in there uh, to facilitate meeting new people and welcoming visitors. You'll find signs on some of the tables for visitors and people want Wanting to discuss the sermon. There's a game table appropriate for all ages to play together. We also have a new kids' coffee hour area envisioned and brought to life by one of our fifth graders, where all kids are welcome. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning, or if you're online, in the comments. Good morning. Please join me in saying the words to light the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Today's call to worship was written by Reverend Chris Jemerson. Now let us worship together. Now let us celebrate the sacred miracle of each other. Now let us open our hearts, our souls, our lives to the blessings both mysterious and transcendent. Now let us be thankful for the healing power of love, the gift of fellowship, the renewal of faith. Now let us accept with gratitude the traditions handed down to us from those that came before and open ourselves to begin anew for those that will follow. Now let us worship together. This congregation has a common religious purpose. It's our mission. We wrote it together and we like it so much we put it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday. Let's do so now. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Each week, we have a moment for Beloved Community to explore that term a little further. Um, Today, I just wanted to point out that it is Juneteenth, which was actually two years after emancipation when African-American slaves in Galveston were finally freed. Um, So justice was a long time in coming. Today, we're going to read a story about grandfathers. And in this story, there's a child who's going to visit their granddad. And their granddad, there's lots of fun things they love to do at their granddad's house, as you'll see. But their granddad is a little bit sad because his husband, Gramps, the child's Gramps, has died. And so he's remembering all the wonderful things he used to do with his husband. And today in our service, we're going to be talking about ways that we can feel well and be well. And I think there's some lessons in this story about that, too. So see if you notice some things that the main character and their grandfather do to help them feel better. 
This is Granddad's Camper by Harry Woodgate. Every summer, I go to stay at my granddad's house by the sea. It's a pretty old cottage with bookshelves packed to the brim with interesting things from granddad's travels and lots of great places to play hide-and-seek. In the garden, granddad grows all kinds of fruits and vegetables. There's a big cherry tree, which if you shake it just enough, yum. But my favorite thing to do at granddad's house is snuggle up on the sofa and listen as granddad tells me about all of the amazing places he and Gramps would explore. Your Gramps was quite the adventurer. He was tall and handsome and excellent at so many things. Tidiness was not one of them. Soon after we met, he invited me on vacation with him, so we set off in his camper to the seaside. In the daytime, we surfed, ate fish and chips, and had a sandcastle competition. I think I won. In the evenings, we'd have bonfires on the beach and watch the tide going in and out of the bay. One afternoon, Gramps said to me, There are so many wonderful things in this world, and I want to see them all with you. So that's exactly what we did. Gramps always wanted to visit the city, so that's where we went first. We drove through dark tunnels, over fancy bridges, and in between towering skyscrapers. Everywhere we went was full of life. There were so many people, so many animals, and so many things to see. We saw lots of different kinds of homes, from high-rise apartments to townhouses, but we were happy with our little home on wheels, which we could take wherever we pleased. Granddad puts down his photo album and smiles. I can see how much he loves those memories and how much he loved Gramps. Why don't you go anywhere now, Granddad? It's not the same without Gramps. He made everything feel extra special. Since Gramps died, I just don't feel like it. A thought pops into my head. Do you still have your camper van? He winks. Follow me. I run outside to the garage and with all my might, heave open the big old doors. There it is. It looks broken down, but I come up with a clever plan. Let's fix it up and go to the seaside together. He looks at me and laughs. I suppose it might be nice to take another trip. Off comes the dust cover and we get started. Finally, we stand back and look at our handiwork. Your gramps would be so happy to see this. It's what he would have wanted. Let's pack some snacks and hot chocolate and then camp on the beach, just like gramps and I used to. So that's exactly what we do. <clears throat> This Making of a Whole Self by Nancy Schaffer. This making of a whole self takes such a very long time. Pieces are not sequential, nor are supplies. We work here, then there, hold up tattered fabric to the light, sew past dark, intent, use all our thread. Sleeves may come before length, buttons before a rounded neck. We sew at what most needs us, and as it asks, sew again. The self is not one thing, once made, unaltered. Not midnight task alone, 
not after other work. It's everything we come upon make ours, all this fitting of what once was and has become. This is the time in our service when we center ourselves together. We breathe together. Breathing in and breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, a place of greater well-being, that spark of the divine within each of us. And breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together, remembering that human sounds and the small sounds of small children are a part of that silence in this congregation. Breathing in and breathing out, let us enter into that time of sacred silence. In 1989, psychologist and researcher Dr. Carol Riff developed what she calls the six-factor model of psychological well-being. For those of you who have pulled out your smartphone to look it up, it's R-Y-F-F, Dr. Carol. There's even a self-test you can find along with a Google document on how to score the test to help you determine how well your own well-being is hanging in there. 
Dr. Reff has updated the model and demonstrated its reliability in the years since, and other researchers have also verified its reliability and validity. Dr. Riff's six-factor model was an early predecessor of positive psychology, which is a relatively recent branch of psychology that's characterized by recognizing the need to address mental health challenges while also making psychological flourishing the eventual goal. Finding meaning, deep satisfaction, and purpose in life. Finding meaning deep satisfaction and purpose in life. Hmm. That sounds a lot like we try to do here in the church, doesn't it? So I thought it might be interesting to explore Dr. Riff's model as it might also apply to our spiritual life and to the life of our religious community. I don't know about you, but these days I could do with a little psychological, spiritual, and religious well-being. So, the first factor in Dr. Riff's model is autonomy. When we have autonomy, we're independent. We regulate our own behavior independent of social pressures. An example statement for this psychological criteria is, I have confidence in my opinions even if they're contrary to the general consensus. Yeah, like Unitarian Universalists have ever had a problem with that. Spiritually, this factor might show up as remaining true to our values even when they're challenged. One of the values that I hold is to remain in relationship even with those with whom I disagree. I struggle, though, with how I hold that value when folks with whom I disagree disagree are acting or voting in ways that are in opposition to other values that I hold the inherent worth and dignity of every person, treating ourselves and others with compassion and love. What do I do when people whom I love act in ways that I believe are oppressive and harmful to other people? What do I do when it's members of my own family that I feel are doing so? Struggling with the sometimes difficult interactions among our most cherished values, I suspect, is one of the greatest ongoing challenges to our spiritual well-being with which all of us struggle. I don't have an easy answer to this, but I do know my own sense of autonomy requires that I keep trying. As a religious community, you all exhibit autonomy in calling your own senior minister, electing your own governing board. This congregation functions as a free and independent church that is a part of the Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations, or UUA. The administrative body of the UUA provides guidance and support. However, each congregation ultimately determines its own path as this church did when we twice decided to provide sanctuary to an immigrant to help them avoid devastating consequences if they had been deported. Riff's second factor is environmental mastery, making effective use of our opportunities and having a sense of control regarding environmental factors. An example of what we might say about this criteria is, in general, I feel I'm capable of responding in a healthy manner to the situations in which I live. Now, like a good Unitarian Universalist, while I like that statement, I would argue with Riff that we can never have complete control over environmental factors. 
I prefer the term agency. We can influence our environment and try to control our reaction to what comes our way, but I think one of our spiritual challenges in life is coming to accept that we don't always have absolute control. I remember something my spouse Wayne said when he was going through a disabling and potentially life-threatening health situation. He's doing fine now, but at one point during that time, he said, I used to feel like the rug got pulled out from under me. I finally realized there was never a rug. I think the way that this religious community has weathered so many challenges, especially the recent time of having to do church entirely virtually because of the pandemic, demonstrates that as a congregation, we have some environmental mastery. May we continue such resilience as we join together during this time of transition after the retirement of a beloved senior minister. The third factor of well-being is personal growth, characterized by the ability to continue to grow, be open to new experiences. We might say something like, I think it's important to have new experiences that challenge my worldview. Spiritually, we can nurture this aspect of well-being by trying new spiritual practices, exploring other worldviews and theologies, remaining open to mystery and that which is larger than ourselves. As a religious community, we can be open to new forms of worship and ritual. We can engage with other faiths and in social justice and interfaith activities. I think our growth as a religious community has recently been demonstrated by how we've adapted to new ways of doing things because of the pandemic and then carried some of those new ways into us even though we've returned into in-person activities. Dr. Riff's fourth factor is positive relations with others. If we're living out this aspect of well-being, we might say, I'm willing to share with others. I'm willing to be vulnerable and giving. Developing our spirituality in this area might involve working toward defining oneself not as a separate entity, but as inextricably linked with other people and the web of all existence. Our religious community is, by definition, one of covenant. We promise to walk together in the ways of love. We find common ground in ways to work together, even with those who may have different and even contradictory religious beliefs. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, we hosted an undoing racism session over the weekend here at the church. Near the end of the event, a person of color from a much more conservative religious belief system, made a comment about our church ministers being openly gay. She said that the next Undoing Racism workshop should be held somewhere that didn't violate her values. Those of us in the session, including this gay minister, had to find a way to express our strong disagreement while also, also remaining committed to the anti-racism work of the group. The fifth factor of well-being is finding purpose in life. My life has direction and meaning. This aspect of well-being involves a sense of calling, most often that embraces serving others. Spiritually, it again often involves a sense of being a part of something larger than ourselves. We may find that in art, music, service to others, doing justice, and the like. 
As a religious community, I think we live into this with our strong commitment to our values, principles, and our mission. So many of you engage in fulfilling activities, both individually and communally, from the arts to volunteerism to working for justice to getting out the vote to other forms of political activism. And speaking of a religious community inspiring a sense of calling, in my time with this church, I have witnessed at least six members who have heard a call to Unitarian Universalist ministry, including this guy standing before you. We have three folks in seminary right now and at least a couple of more who are thinking about it. Well, the final aspect of well-being is self-acceptance. We actually get to like ourselves. Dude, you're pretty cool, we might say to ourselves. Spiritually, we cultivate self-love. We affirm our own inherent worth and dignity. Now, I know affirmations can seem hokey sometimes, but every once in a while, tell yourself what you like about yourself. And we are part of a larger faith, Unitarian Universalism, that I believe has a saving message. We can rejoice in being a part of that larger faith that proclaims each of us, each of us, has inherent worth and dignity. We are part of a faith that strives to make a difference in this world, in the here and now. I shared a story very early on after I entered ministry with this church that I want to share with you again because I think it speaks to the power of our faith. Several years ago, my spouse Wayne and I joined a group of Unitarian Universalists from across the state to support a large rally held on the steps of the Texas State Capitol. The rally was protesting the atrocious attacks on the rights of women that had occurred here in Texas as well as across the nation. Scary that all these years later we're still dealing with those same attacks except even more so. Anyway, we all showed up in our bright yellow t-shirts bearing the Unitarian Universalist Side with Love public advocacy motto. The folks from our church gathered around our large, bright yellow First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin Sides with Love banner. The women's rights groups that had organized the rally absolutely loved it, so they put us right behind the speakers for the rally. The event drew a huge crowd, and near the end of the rally, we noticed that all eight of us holding up the banner at the women's rights rally were men. <laughs> Being Unitarian Universalists, that didn't seem so unusual, so we just had a good laugh about it. As I was walking to my car, though, a woman I had never met touched my shoulder. I turned to her. She looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I just want you to know how moving it was for me to see a group of all men holding up your banner. Then she turned away briefly, turned back to me and said, you know, I don't think of myself as religious, but I'm going to have to find out more about you folks. I suppose we were both stunned by the movement of something sacred that was occurring between us in that moment because neither of us said anything for a while. I don't remember how long we just stood there or which of us broke the silence first, but at some point I do remember she asked where she could get one of our bright yellow t-shirts, so I gave her the Side with Love web address and some information on our local churches. I don't even remember if we ever exchanged our names. I will tell you, though, 
I have never been happier to call myself a Unitarian Universalist than I was in that moment. I have never been more grateful to be reminded that ours is a faith that calls us to show up, to live our values and principles in the world. So, I think Rift's factors for well-being are a great fit for us as Unitarian Universalists. Autonomy, environmental mastery, personal growth, positive relations with others, finding purpose in life, self-acceptance. Yep, that sounds like us, doesn't it? Please join me in saying the words to extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. You are welcome to sing the benediction with me. I'm losing my voice, and that way if I'm off key, it won't matter because you'll cover it. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.